The WBEN All Local. All Local. A daily look at what's happening in Buffalo, Western New York, and the world. I'm Brian Mesrowski. Erie County lawmakers yesterday held an informational meeting on the cost of housing migrants in Western New York. Estimates so far are just under half a million dollars, but that number does not include the hundreds of thousands of dollars spent by school districts. WBEN's Brayton Wilson has more on yesterday's back and forth. Republican candidate for Erie County Executive Chrissy Casilio says Thursday's informational meeting in the Erie County Legislature regarding asylum seekers in the county was long overdue. This should have happened months ago, probably even before this crisis even came to Erie County, because we need to know the facts. Casilio also called out the incumbent Mark Pullencars on his choice to bring the migrant crisis to Erie County before it was ever discussed amongst other leaders. When it came to Thursday's meeting, Casilio and other members of the Republican caucus of the legislature were disappointed that Pullencars was not on hand to address the ongoing migrant situation. He has the most information about this. He's the one that welcomed all of this and has been apparently the one in communication with New York City. So he should be here answering questions, but he's not going to be. We just need to know the cost. We need to know. We have a right to know because it's our money. This is our money that is being spent. How is it being spent? As for pulling cars, he understands why some people may be critical of his absence, given it's nearing another political season as he's up for another election for county executive. However, he emphasized once again on Thursday that housing, lodging, food, and other matters with migrants in Erie County continues to be paid for by New York City. Pulling cars also continues to say this migrant situation has been a national problem that requires federal solutions and was pleased to learn on Wednesday of a step that will help some migrants in the county potentially get to work quite soon. It was an important action that was taken by the Biden administration yesterday and that they announced that they're providing temporary protected status to all Venezuelans who came across the border from 2021 through mid-July of this year, which is approximately half of the asylum seekers in Erie County. Why is this important? Because with temporary protected status, they can now qualify for work permits and we can get those individuals, those men, those women, working in the jobs that are needed in our community. More from Pulling Cars on Thursday is available for you online. Brayton Wilson, WBEN.com News. All right, Brayton, thank you. WBEN News Time now, 504. The surge at the southern border appears to be getting worse. New figures this morning show migrant crossings at the U.S. border are now approaching the record levels seen back in May. Border Patrol says nearly 9,000 migrants crossed the southern border this past Wednesday alone. The White House is sending another 800 troops to the border to help with processing. In the meantime, another reminder of just how dangerous the journey north can be. In Eagle Pass, Texas, where 2,500 migrants crossed on Wednesday, two people drowned in the Rio Grande, including a three-year-old boy. That's Andrea Fujii with that report. As the United Auto Workers strike continues to expand around the country, we're waiting to see which members could be the next to walk out. This morning, workers here will find out if the they'll be called to go out watching. on strike. The whole world is watching! 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 Detroit car makers announcing more layoffs that they blame on fallout from the UAW strike. GM yesterday idled a plant in Kansas with 2,000 workers because they don't have the parts to work with. That plant that makes those parts on strike. Stellantis, the maker of Jeep and Chrysler, says it expects to lay off more than 300 workers in Ohio and Indiana. The layoffs adding to the tension just a day before UAW expected a call for expanding that strike. That'll happen about five hours from right now. 
We heard a little bit about this at the top of the hour. Five students remain hospitalized in serious condition. And two school administrators, including a band director, passed away in a bus crash upstate. About 300 musicians, dancers at the Farmingdale High School Color Guard were on a trip from their Long Island school on their way to a two-night overnight band camp in Greeley, Pennsylvania, when state police say a possible front-wheel blowout sent one of the six buses careening down an embankment on the I-84 in Orange County. Josh Eininger is near the crash site where bus removal is underway. Inch by painstaking inch, recovery crews dragged the hulking wreckage of that doomed bus from the ravine in the center median of I-84, where it came to a rest hours earlier. Not one, but two massive tow trucks slowly winching the bus back to the road. It's tedious work and will, no doubt, take all night. Josh Eininger at the scene will have the latest for you. Coming up in just about 20 minutes, newly released 911 calls reveal the bizarre circumstances after an F-35 fighter went missing in South Carolina. The stealth fighter jet crashed Sunday after a malfunction, forced the pilot to eject near Charleston, but the jet kept flying, crashing into a rural area about 60 miles away. I just rode a parachute down to the ground. Can you please send an ambulance? Officials finally found wreckage from the $100 million jet more than 24 hours later. Experts say the F-35 is designed to erase all communication when a pilot ejects to protect the pilot's location and the jet's classified systems, which explains why it could not be tracked on radar. The Pentagon has said it plans to spend $1.7 trillion on more than 2,000 F-35s. But a new report questions what taxpayers are getting for all that money. A government watchdog found F-35s are available to fly only 55% of the time because of so many maintenance issues. Like what we saw there, it was so stealth. It took him a day to find it. It's Andrew Dimbert with the latest. Bills take on the Washington Commanders Sunday, 1 o'clock in Maryland. Bills looking to get a winning record, turn things around from that opening night loss. Continuing on that quest, Sean McDermott talks about using his team's experience as an edge. Experience is a, is a good teacher and good to have on your resume. And I think you, you, you lean on that experience from, from years past. But you're also trying to, you know, build your own identity, looking ahead and going forward. So I think, I think for sure, yeah, it's, it tends to be a great teacher, and if used the right way, it, it can benefit you. Chris Brown will be on the call. He'll join us at 7:50 later on this morning. Talk a little bit about the matchup uh, against the 2-0 Washington Commanders. Don't take them too lightly. Uh, Bills up for a test later on. And how about this September winding down? It is the season to scare and be scared. Here's WBEN's Max Ferry. A walk through the infamous Grindhouse, the Carnival Boneyard, and of course the Erie State Asylum. Who's in? It's that time of year again. Time for Western New York horror fans to immerse themselves in the spooky state of mind. And it all starts with this Friday's opening of Fright World, America's Scream Park, located on 1001 Hurdle Avenue in Buffalo back for an impressive 21st season. So what we really wanted to focus on this season was perfecting our haunted houses. We have five award-winning haunted attractions in one location and we have been working on them all year. We've completely demolished full rooms and built from the ground up completely new sets, scares, and then we've also implemented all new characters for each attraction this season. 
Trevor Feger, Fright World manager. One thing that Fright World fans love most about the attractions is the dedicated performances by the scare actors and scream team. They hire 175 people every season, 125 people being the scare actors. Scare actor Zach Rosati takes immense pride and joy in his scaring duties. He, like guests at the attraction, enjoy the thrills of a good scare. They find the humor in it, but it's also a lot of work. Said we do really enjoy scaring people, and it is absolutely exhausting. If your body from head to toe is not completely sore by the end of every night, you didn't do your job right, it is very exhausting, but there is no stress relief like it. Being able to kick through doors and scream at people and scare the living crap out of them every single night. There will be several special events going on for little trick-or-treaters, all the way up to the dedicated horror fans this season, including a special Friday the 13th giveaway. You can see more details at WBEN.com. Max Ferry, WBEN.com News. All right, Max, uh, opening up this uh, tonight, later on tonight, going throughout the season. I, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not not a haunted house. I think it's really cool. Being frightened, though, is not like my first go-to, whether that's a haunted house or a scary movie. I, it's not that I don't like it. It's just maybe not my first option. Your exclusive WBEN 7 weather forecast. Mostly sunny skies today. Another great day with temperatures in the mid to upper 70s. Tonight's partly to mostly cloudy. Lows in the mid 50s. Partly to mostly cloudy on Saturday. Temperatures in the low 70s. On Sunday, near 70 with the chance for some rain to the east of Buffalo, Genesee, Wyoming, Allegheny counties. A little uh, rainfall moving in for the second half of the weekend. With your exclusive WBEN 7 weather forecast, I'm Chief Meteorologist Aaron Minkowski. Joining us on the line, Erie County. Republican Elections Commissioner Ralph Moore to talk a little bit about that. Ralph, thanks so much for joining us. Um, all right, so more changes to the voting laws. I Do you expect changes, just kind of generally speaking, every year there's some sort of new law or new voting rule that you're going to have to react to? Well, there have been the past uh, few years uh, uh, significant changes in the election laws in New York State. Uh, The governor actually signed nine different pieces of legislation earlier this week. Uh, Half of them really implement uh, situations that are already occurring, such as outreach to schools, which Erie County has been doing for about three decades, Uh, changes which uh, really have no effect uh, because they've never occurred in New York State, such as uh, electors being required to vote for the presidential candidate of their party. Uh, and then uh, there were also changes that were made uh, to the political calendar, and we're going to have a presidential uh, primary election the first week of uh, April next year, uh, which also puts uh, Easter, makes Easter a voting holiday, uh, which is going to be uh, very difficult to staff and uh, really questions of voter turnout. The mail-in registration or the mail-in voting, which you talked about, uh, Erie County actually is in a better position than most of the counties across New York State because we implemented really that type of form mail-in ballots during the COVID period in the presidential election in 2020. So it might not be all that new. I I guess what exactly changes? Uh, You can cast an early ballot by mail. Uh, You have to request one from your board of elections. Is there word yet? Do you know for sure when you have to make that request or what that would look like? 
Well, the same period that is for absentee voting is for mail-in voting. Uh, two years ago, the voters of the state rejected uh, this exact same proposition because the fraud uh, preventions weren't in place. Uh, Erie County, of course, had this uh, during the COVID period, so we're a little better shape than most of the other counties because we have areas in, uh, uh, to prevent fraud and different procedures in place. Uh, within two hours of the governor signing this legislation, the Erie County Board of Elections placed on its portal the ability to request a mail-in ballot, and it's currently live in Erie County now. Um, so the procedure uh, is very much the same as the absentee ballot, except for having a reason that you have to check for an absentee ballot. You can just say, send me a ballot because I want one. It, this might be more of a legal question, but are, are you aware of why this rule can be put in place even if it was voted down by people throughout the state not that long ago? Well, there is a legal challenge currently uh, launched, uh, which questions whether it can be. It certainly seems that the governor and the legislature has ignored the will of the people. And what they did is really change the word absentee to mail in and said, well, because we're calling it something different, we can do it. Uh, that's currently uh, being challenged in court, and the courts will end up determining whether this is proper or not. Uh, Erie County, of course, uh, did the mail in voting during the COVID period period because of the extenuating circumstances and the uh, fear of catching COVID uh, during that period. Uh, we backed off from that uh, and gone along the more traditional absentee ballot lines. Uh, however, some form of that has always still been in place in Erie County with respect to the safeguards to prevent fraud, to prevent people from voting by mail and then also showing up at the polls or from people requesting ballots for their neighbors, say, uh, and not themselves. Uh, so we're probably in a much better shape than most of the other counties across the state. But I know that uh, there is a challenge to it, and we'll see whether the courts uphold us or not. So basically for this, if it does go forward and is upheld in the courts starting next year for the presidential election, uh, it basically works like as if anyone can request their own absentee ballot, even if they're not absent. That's correct. And uh, once you make the request for the absentee ballot, or in this case, the mail-in ballot, as they're calling it, uh, and the Board of Elections issues that ballot, that then forecloses your ability to go to the polls on Election Day or early voting and cast your votes at the at the polls. Uh, that's a change from prior procedure, which allowed you to go and cast an absentee ballot. Then you found out later that your plans had changed. You're not really going out of town or you feel better that day when you were ill previously. You'd be able to go to the polls and cast your vote. We would discard the absentee ballot. Uh, however, in this case, once you make that application and the Board of, Ish uh, Board of Elections issues that ballot, you're then precluded. You've now stopped yourself from being being able to show up to the polls on Election Day. Okay. Uh, another thing the governor mentioned was creating same-day voter registration. Um, from your understanding, what would that look like? 
Well, that would appear on the first day of uh, early voting, which is 10 days prior to the election. Somebody would still have the ability to go to the polls on election day or go to the polls on early voting day. And we have 38 locations in Erie County. Our neighboring counties have a number of locations as well. And you'd be able to register to vote that day and then cast an affidavit ballot. Uh, That registration form along with the ballot would come back to the Board of Elections. We would determine your qualifications to vote. And if we've determined that you are qualified to vote, we would then open up your ballot and count your ballot. So really, if you're not registered to vote, up, you have up until the first day of early voting to be able to register and vote in that election. Okay, so uh, maybe a little bit more complicated than people would think of all right, just show up, uh, maybe uh, sign something and cast your ballot. There might be another step or two either before or after. Right, and and that step is usually taken by the Board of Elections staff, uh, which does a very diligent job, both Democrats and Republicans here at the board, to go and check the qualifications of the person, make sure that they are a qualified voter, that they're eligible to vote in that election, and then to cast that ballot as the voter intended. You mentioned your staff. Are they looking at uh, all these changes and going, oof? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> We're in for it over the next couple of years. Uh, yes. I, I mean, it, many of the changes are changes to the procedures that we've done. Uh, the staff has been very good here at the Board of Elections. As I said, both Democrats and Republicans have been able to adapt uh, to this, and they're very dedicated people. Uh, the fact that now Easter is going to become a voting day next uh, year, uh, we're going to have to not only staff the Board of Elections, but we have to man all of the 38 early voting sites uh, with about 200 inspectors. And we've been fortunate in Erie County to have people that are not only employees here at the board, but the community at large be very dedicated to make sure that the elections uh, go off fairly and without hitch. Well, Ralph, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, Appreciate the explainer. Thank you. Ralph Moore, Erie County Republican Elections Commissioner, joining us live. That's the WBEN All Local. All new episodes are made available each weekday morning. Produced by the award-winning WBEN Newsroom.